What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Turn the Jets Live. I'm your host, Stephen Zantz, joined by my co-host, Stephen Russo. Never a dull moment, as our friend Joe Caparoso says, Stephen, how you doing? Season's over, but we had a bombshell of a report come in at 6 o'clock tonight. Mike LaFleur is out as offensive coordinator of the Jets. What are your thoughts? Man, you're right. Never a dull moment in uh, in Jets land. I mean, just when you think. And honestly, like, I don't know. I guess my overall thoughts are that if you had said this two, three weeks ago, I really would have been surprised simply because of how close uh, LaFleur and Sala were and are. Um, but as it progressed and scoring 15 points over the course of the last three games, when you get this new shot at life and this, you know, uh, new chance at the playoffs. I mean, that was kind of the, the final nail in the coffin. And you, you kind of start reading the tea leaves and you hear what Sala says post game about, um, you know, he's going to have to go through his process and he wouldn't come right out and defend it or, you know, defend the floor and say, no, he's safe. You see the reports come out today and it's like, no, they're still deliberating. So you kind of start to, to see those things. And um, honestly, my, my reaction is I'm uh, a little bit surprised, but I'm really not shocked. I, um, I would have thought that they would have brought him back. Um, but I'm, I'm not, uh, I'm not totally caught off guard or shocked in any way that, uh, that they let him go to quote unquote, pursue other opportunities. Um, it's, you know, is he being scapegoated a little bit? Sure. Did he not have the greatest season? Yeah, that's absolutely true as well. I mean, the offense struggled mightily down the stretch. He failed to develop his number two overall pick uh, at quarterback. And the team just couldn't put the ball in the end zone. And when you have guys like Garrett Wilson coming out and saying like, yeah, once teams got film on us, you know, they knew what was coming before we were doing it. I mean, that's pretty telling. So again, just to to recap my overall thoughts. I mean, I like LaFleur. I was a big fan of the hire when they, when they got him, when they, when Salah brought him with him uh, from San San Francisco. Um, I thought for, you know, a season and a half, he was really, really good. But unfortunately the falter down the stretch kind of, put the nail on the coffin there and now he's uh, open to seek other opportunities. So it'll be interesting to see where he lands. I think this does muddy the waters a little bit here moving forward with obviously a hole at quarterback and you have this staff now that is, you know, in all reality, without saying it, they're on a one-year playoff mandate. So attracting a coordinator and finding someone to work with an unknown QB, as well as kind of having Zach Wilson hang in the balance is going to be interesting. So we'll see how this shakes out. But again, kind of to recap, I'm not totally uh, shocked, but, you know, at at this point, it is what it is. So it's going to be an interesting uh, couple of months here coming up. Yeah, I think you would have a lot of good points. And I I think, like you said, I thought it was a little surprising, maybe if you would have told me this was going to happen like two weeks, two, three weeks ago. But obviously, three straight games on a touchdown. I understand it. And let me be clear. I was very much like whatever they do with this was fine either way but I always kind of went back to the thought process of like yeah it sucked at the end of the season but what was the alternative and now you have a huge hole at quarterback you have a huge hole at offensive coordinator the you know well-respected you know, offensive minds whether they're established or not and you would think that they want someone who has experience calling plays versus going back to someone who was a position coach as a first timer with like the pressure to win it's like we're not going to get this like hot shot coordinator that people want on their staffs. Like, unfortunately that's not going to happen. And if you have the expectation, you're going to be really disappointed whenever they announce whoever the, the replacement's going to be. So it sucks because I think LaFleur is going to probably be successful wherever he goes. 
could be back in San Francisco with Kyle. It could be under his brother in Green Bay. It could be somewhere we're not thinking. I I, I know James Coons, uh, friend of the show and co-host of draft season, blowed out the joke of you got Jeff fans will be mad when he's calling plays for Justin Herbert in LA. And like, yeah, I, I just tell you, this is going to be one of those, you know, times that we reflect on, you know, five, 10 years down the road and be like, remember when Michael floor was on the jet staff and we let that guy get away. Um, it sucks because I thought he showed a lot of good things and you and I, and a lot of other people definitely were big LaFleur fans, especially once he started calling plays from the booth, like midway through last year. Um, but I do understand the, you know, the offense was broken, but there are things to caveat, you know, offensive line was banged up. You didn't have a quarterback, your best running back went down pretty early in the season. Um, but you know, it's still the NFL. There is the next man up. So you have mm-hmm. to figure out how to create chicken salad out of whatever you have. And <laughs> he didn't do that. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's just, I think it's more so I'm more disappointed in the uncertainty with the role than anything else, because like, I know a bunch of people have been floated out already. I think Zach Rosenblatt of the athletic had a nice list. I mean, nice in the sense that like, it's a decently sized list, but it's no one other the with the exception of Frank Wright is probably going to inspire you if they pull the trigger and hire them. Mm-hmm. But like I said, who's going to come on this staff who's respectable when they know that they could be looking for another job a year from now. So I, I, I understand that. And, you know, the Jets, you know, we don't have a quarterback. So that also makes it tough. So, yeah, I, I think what we could do is we could maybe talk about a couple candidates that we're interested in. We could talk about who we think that they're going to hire and then. I know we're probably we're going to talk more about just putting a bow on the season. So before the end of the show, because we're not really going to talk about the Miami game. There's not much to talk about. It's one of the worst games of, of the year. It was boring. <laughs> but we'll do some um, awards like we did at the end of last show. I mean, last year's like yeah. uh, 2020 finale or 2020 finale. So um, when you're thinking about the list, I mean, Daryl Bevel's the guy that it seems like is the overwhelming favorite. And favorite in the sense that I think that's what's going to happen, not the favorite of the fan base or what people want. And it just makes sense. Established guy. He's called plays for a couple teams. Um, he has familiarity with Salah. They've overlapped in their careers. But, like, you got, it just seems like it's like a safe, boring vanilla hire. And I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, I get it why they do it, because they want someone with experience. But if that's what they go with, it's almost like they're punting on the season. And, you know, they're going to be packing their bags in a year from now. What are your yeah. thoughts on Daryl Bevel? I mean, yeah, I think it's a, it's kind of a meh pick. I wouldn't be overly excited with it, but I also wouldn't be disappointed with it. Um, I think, (laughs) (laughs) what's that? I'd be disappointed with it. Oh, I mean, it's one of those things like, yeah, you know, he's, um, has experience with, with Sala from, from Seattle. Um, you know, I really don't know how I'd feel, uh, honestly, but I can't say that, like I, like I said, I can't say that I'd be overly excited about it. I also can't say that I'd be, I'd be truly disappointed in it. I don't know if there's any true candidate out there though, that, that, uh, really makes me feel either way. Um, you know, I, I think this is kind of a middle of the road thing for me where, you know, I, I really don't think there's a candidate out there that's like, you know, that's realistic that would truly excite me, nor is there one that would make me, um, you know, totally disappointed and totally like, oh my God, this is Adam Gase level, uh, level badness. And when you go back to, you know, the LaFleur thing, I mean, that's really what, uh, 
the most likely outcome I thought was going to happen was they bring in a senior offensive assistant, some guy with experience and and have him fill that Greg Napple. So I was excited at the prospect of, you know, a Gary Kubiak or even a Nathaniel Hackett or someone like that coming in and kind of that senior role and guiding LaFleur in the right direction. So now that LaFleur is gone, I'm just not sure if you're going to get a guy like Kubiak or someone like that to come in as your OC um, and really hitch his wagon to, you know, a, a, a potentially sinking ship here. So um, it's interesting. I do think, though, the name that kind of excites me, and you and I were talking about a little bit before the show, but the name that probably excites me more than most, I think, is Nathaniel Hackett, simply because of the experience and because of what he's done. And I think, you know, you're going to get that sour taste in your mouth because of recency bias with what he did in Denver as head coach. But I don't think that that's the, you know, you can't just paint with a broad brush like that. I think he has done some good things um, in this league as an offensive coordinator. I think Jets fans will have, myself included, have a little bit of PTSD having another offensive coordinator with last name Hackett. Um, but overall, I do think that would be a, a solid choice. And of the bunch, I think he's the one that kind of excites me probably more than the others. Yeah, I mean, Frank Reich is like the slam dunk hire, but I don't think, number one, he would I just take don't the see job. It. Yeah, yeah, he's not going to take the job. And our boy... He's getting uh, head coach interviews. Yeah, exactly. Boy yeah. Green, just put in the chat before. That's the guy because of the, you know, former Jets QB, Joe Douglas, Eagles connection. Yes. He would... If I was his agent, I would tell him, don't take that job because you're most likely to be looking for <laughs> yeah. another one and you could get a better job. So I understand that. And why would someone who has the opportunity to be a head coach want to take the Jets off as a coordinator job? Unless they really believe in Zach Wilson or they have someone in mind that they want to bring in maybe whoever that may be, maybe it's Gardner Minshew. I don't know, but like, like you said, I think, I think Hackett and I've ripped him so much to friends mm-hmm. on Twitter, you know, when he was coaching the Broncos, but I think the big misconception, and I've seen a lot of this about Cliff Kingsbury too, is just because these guys aren't good head coaches doesn't mean that they can't be offensive coordinators. Like that's Todd Bowles in a nutshell for anyone yes. who who's forgotten this He's a good defensive coordinator. Look what the work he did when they won the Super Bowl in Tampa a couple of years back. Look at the work he did in Arizona. Uh, he did it in Miami. He did it in, in Philadelphia as well. He was always a good assistant coach. But when but you're in the big man chair and you have to do other things other than calling the plays and focusing on one side of the ball, it's a whole other game. And I think people lose sight of that. And like you said, Hackett was good in Jacksonville with Blake Bortles as the quarterback. Yes. Like literally they were so close to going to a Super Bowl with Blake Bortles. And he was calling the plays under Doug Marone, who was the head coach. So before you're quick to like, you know, poke fun at that. And it's an easy thing to do. I understand that piece of it. It's, it's not the same thing. And like, that's how like, I'm going to make a joke. I'm going to obviously do this. But like if someone hired Adam Gase, he would make all the fun in the world of it. But he actually did a good job when he was calling plays in yeah. Chicago and yeah. Denver. I know you could point to the Peyton Manning thing, but the year before he got the Dolphin job, he was with Jay Cutler in Chicago, mm-hmm. and he actually did a really good job. So yeah. don't don't like you know let your mind and eyes like tell you that a guy who's a failed head coach can't call plays or focus on one aspect of the game. So yeah, it's not the greatest thing. It's not Frank Wright, but Hackett to me is actually like. With all the other candidates you're going to see thrown out there, he, he, you could do a lot worse. Like, I mean, like there's like the Ben McAdoo's of the world. You have, um, I forgot his name, Pep Hamilton from Houston, yeah. who people used to like, especially when he was mm. in Indianapolis. Not, I'm yeah. not talking about his, his current stint. When he was with Andrew yeah. Luck, but he also had Andrew Luck. It's a little yeah. bit different. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think the two most intriguing guys that were thrown out by Albert Breer were the two guys in the Eagle staff. It's uh, Petula and Brian Johnson. But the issue with them, and you don't think that the staff – not the staff in this front office 
would put the, you know, the trust in this job with someone who's never done it before, but they are young. They do come from a good coaching staff with, you know, what Nick Sirianni and Shade Sykin have been doing over there, but it's a huge risk and swing that I don't think that they're willing to take, which is why, like I said earlier, Bevel seems like the obvious choice just because he has experience in the role. He has connections to the head coach. It's just the matter of like, okay, does he have a quarterback that he wants or is he going to try to fix Zach Wilson, which would be like everybody's worst nightmare. I, I just think given how the season ended and given how this is going to play out, I, I don't feel good right now. I know there's a lot of right young talent on this team, but who's the quarterback? Who's calling the plays? When you don't yeah. have either of those things, it's hard to get excited until you have a little more clarity. So hopefully we get quarterback news within the next the, month or two. Exactly. And, and you're right. And that's really the one aspect of all this that's changed. Because when you think about things with the Jets right now as they stand, and, and this is like extremely top line, your, your thousand foot view, where they are right now is really is no different than what they had planned on. Like this they are laying foundation. They are laying these building blocks. So they knew that 2021 was going to be a struggle. And the goal this year, as Robert Sala and Joe Douglas both said, is they want to be playing meaningful football in December, which they were, right? So we even had, we had guys like Connor Hughes on the show that said, you know, he came on and said, nobody in the building expected the Jets to be as good as they were at that point when we had Connor on the show, which was, I think, right after the bye week and before the second New England game. So they were sitting there at what, six and three. No one expected them to be six and three. What their expectation was, was that they'd be, you know, a middling team, uh, you know, four and five ish right around there, you know, kind of fighting. And then they would hit their stride at the end of the season, start, you know, maybe winning some games, getting some momentum that they could build on until next year or into next year, but playing meaningful games in December and finishing seven and 10, that's not, you know, the way that this season went and the path they took to get there was not exactly it. But when you look top line, that is where they're going to be or where they where they thought they were going to be. So having this third year, quote unquote, playoff mandate is not necessarily like news. That's exactly where they should be. They should be playoffs, make or break. And that's it. Now, the road to get there, like having this biggest question mark, question marks now be offensive coordinator and quarterback, that's something I don't think they saw coming because I think they all planned on Zach taking at least a jump, a step in the right direction and being part of the reason that they are, you know, seven and 10 and playing meaningful December games as opposed to where they are now. So if you take it back a step further, it's surprising that when Robert Sala came here, he didn't have a guy like that was uh, the Wade Phillips to Sean McVay, that experienced guy that took over the other side of the ball. That was kind of the guy that he could lead on, but I do lean on, but I do think that Greg Knapp was supposed to be that guy and his tragic passing, obviously threw them a curveball that they had no idea how to handle. So that glaring gaping hole, I think has been something that they just simply haven't been able to fill and that is probably the biggest reason as to why you're sitting here right there right now. I mean, Greg Nat worked with guys like Steve Young, Matt Ryan, like he, he Manning, was think, right? Peyton Manning. Yeah. He was like the guy. I mean, and to have that hole there for a young inexperienced staff, um, you know, an offense in particular, you know, working with a rookie and, and second year quarterback, I think was, um, much bigger than anyone could have realized, um, you know, and we're kind of seeing that now after two years. So it's really kind of, it's shocking how it's gone, but even, I think we alluded to it last week, you know, you see uh, Bob Wachusen say on one Jets drive, like the goalpost move, but that's 
natural. When you start five and two, six and three, seven and four, expectations change. No matter how you got there, no matter if that was your expectation or not to be in that spot at that time. Of course, if you're seven and four, I mean, we were taught, Stephen, we were talking about the Jets winning the AFC East. And, and, you know, there was, I mean, stuff around that time when we were like, oh, who do we root for? Do we root for this team to, have to you know, be able to secure a wild card spot? Or do we root for this team to win so we can have a shot at the division? And like now you're six games, you drop six games to end the season and we're in such a world of hurt. So it's just, it's a really weird spot for the Jets, for us as fans to be in, because you really don't know how to feel because objectively being seven and 10 playing meaningful December football at the end of the season, knowing that the foundation truly is being built and is there, at least in part, is a good feeling. But knowing the way that it ended and having that kind of sour taste in your mouth um, is something that uh, I don't think any of us could have uh, could have foreseen. Yeah, um, it's just it sucks. And I, I just have this really, like I said, bad feeling about where this is going to he- head because there's just too many questions that need answers. I mean, the defense is great. Yeah. But like, you still need a linebacker. You still need, you know, another safety because Joyner is probably going to retire and he was hurt anyway. And you're probably going to make some, you know, subtractions. I think Carl Lawson, there's a chance he's not on the team. So the defense is going to have some regression. I'm not saying it's going to be like that or anything. Like we obviously know there's plenty of good young talent under team control. You got to pay Quinn and Williams. So to expect, you know, like a top five defense year over year is like obviously something we want, but it's not something that's guaranteed mm. because of the injury luck that we had. I mean, Sauce Gardner got hurt in the last game of the season and thankfully he was okay. But like no, him, DJ Reed, Mosley, um, Quinnen, JFM, like all those guys are relatively healthy. So yeah, it's, it's just, it's hard yeah. to just expect to have that dominance again. And you need to have an offense that can like basically keep them up upright you know like carry the load sometimes it's got to be complimentary football not one unit is carrying the other always and and as good as the defense was on the whole all year um the last six seven games were uh, it's hard to like it's hard to fault them in any stretch right like they they did they they played well and also knowing to your point carrying the weight of the offense uh, the offense's ineptitude obviously um, played a role in this, but down the stretch, the run defense wasn't great and they forced two turnovers in their last seven games. And that's just something that it it can't happen. Like you got to be able to flip the field. You got to be able to turn the ball over. And they simply weren't doing that. Now, you know, they still, they would figure it out. They weren't giving up a ton of points. I think Rich Samini threw out the stat that, you know, if if they had just been like league average and scored 22 points per game, they would have been like 11 and six, which is (laughs) so sad. Um, but the offense needs fixing that that's, that's 100% certain. Um, but there are, to your point too, what you just said, like, you know, linebacker and other safety, there's, there's tweaks that need to happen to this defense because it does feel like as the season went on, coaches were able to figure it out. And, and I think that was evidenced completely by that Seattle game and the Jacksonville game. Like they weren't able to cover a tight end. Evan Ingram lit us up against Jacksonville. Um, Geno Smith throwing to tight ends that I don't know the names, the names of uh, were completely killing us. So that middle of the field, it's like they figured it out because they knew how good DJ Reed and sauce were on the corners. Yep. Um, and they knew that they wouldn't be able to throw outside. I mean, DJ, th- those guys, they locked up DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. They locked up Jalen Waddle and, and Tyreek Hill. Granted, they had Skylar Thompson thrown to him, but they still locked those guys up. 
you know, in two straight games and we still, we just weren't able to, to cover the middle of the field or stop the ground game. So um, there are tweaks that need to be made. I mean, this defense, uh, it was great this year and certainly the strength of the team, but it, it also wasn't perfect at all. Yeah. It's certainly things to think about as we head into this off season, which just it, it, it's time is a flat circle, man. We always are dealing with all this uncertainty, all this frustration of like, why can't we do these things? Like, if you would have told us, let's just say, I want to say when they were seven. No, I don't want to say after the Bears game because you started to see, like, signs of things unraveling because the run game wasn't going to be as good Mm -hmm. without Brees. Offensive line was banged up. But basically, I would say after the first New England game and maybe after – sorry, after the second New England game, if you would have said, you know, all this was going to happen – you would have been like, thought it was crazy. Like I never would have thought, I think I said on the show and I'll own it, that they were going to lose out six in a row. Never. Like how, how is that possible? It's just, there's like some of the games were like there to be had. Like think about the Minnesota game. If Barrios catches that ball, it's a whole nother game. If JFS, yeah. If we don't get that stupid roughing the passer call against New England, I think the season goes in a completely different trajectory. And it's just, I hate going back to this, but it's like these little things change so much. And this is where we are right now. There's a lot of things you can point to. I asked that question on Twitter and I got a lot of responses. I loved it, but those are little (laughs) things. Like seriously, you you think about it and everyone says the the obvious choice is the JFM roughing call against new England. There's so many other ones. You, you mentioned it, the Barrios drop, right? Let's say Garrett Wilson stays in bounds and that almost would be touchdown uh, against Minnesota. Let's say CJ Mosley doesn't uh, fly over the offensive line on that fourth and one. Let's say the fourth and inches against Detroit goes our way. How, how different does the season look with that? You know what I mean? There was a pass to, I think, Jacoby Myers in the second New England game on the first drive, right? Where he caught it, fumbled, sauce picks it up, runs it back to the one. That was immediately ruled an incomplete pass. That wasn't like that, like obvious. So let's just say that is ruled a catch and a fumble and sauce does return to the one. How does that game look? There's so many little things throughout the course of the season that if they go our way, it could change the trajectory of the entire season, could change the course of how everything else went. And it's just so frustrating. And that's, the state of where we are as fans, like I, I'm, I think back to little things in the offseason, like I remember in at the Senior Bowl and there were so many reports about how well run the Jets side of the Senior Bowl was versus how awfully run the Lions side was. Right. Oh, yeah, that really aged well. Yeah, well, the Lions, the Lions beat us, finished nine and eight, knocked the Packers out of the playoffs, really should have been in the playoffs, but still played their asses off down the stretch. Right. I also remember the Jets practicing with the Giants and everyone and their mother was saying how that how the Jets outclassed the Giants and were far and away the better team right no not that one it was was I'm sorry it was Atlanta it was Atlanta Atlanta. yes okay I'm sorry it was either way like teams were seven and ten exactly and it's just I remember all the reports about how good Zach was looking in practice and none of that matters it doesn't matter I don't care like I just Prove it on the field. I don't feel good about anything anymore until I see it happen. And that's just the state of where I'm at with this team. And it's incredibly, it's incredibly frustrating to feel this way, to, to really, again, you, you can't just completely discount how we got here. If you had told me before the season seven and 10 playing meaningful December football, like, yeah, I probably would have signed up for it knowing what we were, you know, what we were going for. But being seven and four and collapsing the way that we did, I mean, this is uh, brutal. 
this is it's it's oh eight it's eleven it's uh you know it's every every time that they showed expect they showed they could maybe sur- surpass expectations and then yeah. fall on their face it's and yeah watch it, repeat it always yeah. happens and the the falling on their face like there was a time where you know in that stretch that ninety seven to two thousand and ten stretch it's like when they got a chance it's like you when they got a second lease on life you felt confident that they were going to make it happen i mean you, you know you go back to the 09 cincinnati game you go back to the the 06 oakland game 02 when things fall their way and they got to beat new england and, and green bay to to get in you just felt good about those things they went in, in 2001 they went into oakland and and beat them you know in the final week of the season to get in and like you just felt like those things were going to happen and this it's like the team gets a second chance and things, all things break their way and, and, and they just come out and, and lay completely down and fall flat on their face and can put up 15 points in three games. I mean, it is as disappointing as I can remember. Yeah. Um, one thing I wanted to say, cause it's been, you know, a lot of people floating out candidates, Connor, he was just put in a tweet that the name that he's hearing the most in relation to this potential offensive support position is Daryl Bevel, which we've already talked about. He's like easy to connect the dots. I would say if you had to just if I had to give percentages, I'd say it's like an 80% chance that he's yeah. the guy they end up hiring. So what's gonna end up happening here? I'm just gonna do my little timeline just based on what I think. He's coaching the Dolphins right now. He's their quarterback coach, I believe, and passing game coordinator. He's not the offensive coordinator. He's coaching this weekend. They're not they're gonna probably interview a couple guys over the next couple of days, some of the games that circulated. They can't interview him until after that game. They're gonna lose the Buffalo. And then they're going to interview him on Monday or Tuesday. And then like a week from now, he'll end up being announced as the offensive coordinator. That's, that's my prediction. Yeah. I, I would say it's, you know, 75, 80%. And I would love to be wrong. I don't want him, but like, that's, that's, that's where we're at. I mean, yeah, I wouldn't I would go, be, I wouldn't be totally upset with it, but uh, uh, it, it doesn't, it doesn't excite me. It doesn't, uh, you know, but at the same time, like just where I am with this team, I'm, <laughs> I am where I am and it, it is what it is. And it's like, whatever happens, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to expect the worst and hope for the best. Expect and us. We, yeah. the negativity. Exactly. Worse, that's what, that's being Jeff fans all about. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's until we get the winner that we're all craving and that we all yeah. want. That's where we are. It's, exactly. it's, it's that simple. Wash, rinse, repeat. And I'll, I'll convince myself that he's the greatest OC since that we've had since Charlie Weiss in August. And then come September, we'll be doing the show again. And I'll be like, see, they did it again. And then it is what it is, man. And we'll see. We'll yeah. see how it shakes so out. I want to put this out there now. I want to, so we can always check back on the tapes in, uh, in 2024. I'm going to say, and we have no idea who the offensive coordinator is going to be. We have no idea who the quarterback is going to be. And a lot can change, 100%. I like Robert Sala. I, you know, I had some, you know, doubts. But then he showed me a lot. But now the more doubt has creeped in. However, I'm not rooting against him. I'm not asking for him for his job. I want him to get one more year. Mm-hmm. I want everyone to get one more year. I would have defied him before I did. My prediction a year from now is... This whole thing's going to blow up. None of this is going to work because we don't have a quarterback. Full court press towards Sean McVay. That's because he's most likely going to leave the Rams. He's going to take yep. a year off. And we are going to have a complete, open, clean sweep, whatever he wants to be. It's almost like a Parcells-like thing where they're giving him complete control. Whether he takes it, I don't know. But 
the do- I'm just putting that out there. I feel like that's where this is going to end up unless they make, they make a swing trade for someone like Lamar Jackson, which I don't think is likely, which would be awesome. I would, whatever it takes, I would give up some crazy things that are on this roster to get Lamar <laughs> here. I'm not going to go into that because then people might come at me on Twitter. And I don't want that, but all roads to me lead to, you know, the Jimmy G's, the car, who I do like a lot, maybe someone like Goff if they decide to take a quarterback, which I doubt it because he had a great year, but like, it's not going to be someone who's a long-term answer, but if they, you know, if they do get those guys, I'm going to root for them just like I root for everybody else. But all roads to me lead to a whole new regime a year from now. And I hate to say it, but when you whiff on the number two pick, that's usually where, where everything goes. That's where you're going to, that's where you're going to be. Yeah. It sucks. What are your thoughts? I mean, it's not as crazy as it sounds right now. It's really not crazy. And that's kind of, I mean, I'm reaching a little. Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, you're reaching with the McVay thing. Like we, we really don't know how that's going to shake out, but I love him. Yeah. I would be. And and for a 36 year old guy to walk away, like that itch isn't going to go away. That's that's, you got to come back to, uh, to get that. But, and it's, it's not unlike Woody Johnson to go kind of big fish hunting um, or big game hunting. I mean, so yeah, I mean, it's, we'll see. I still, you know, I, I do, despite my previous rant, I do still have confidence in Robert Sala. Like I, I do. And I believe there is a foundation being built here. Um, and I think that this is going in the right direction. I, I, I just think as of right now, it's an incomplete, but so much is going to depend on who this offensive coordinator is and who the quarterback is in 23. And, and that is really going to be the answer that, um, that we need and, and see how that shakes out. And I know, you know, Connor Hughes was on the can't wait podcast um, yesterday. And I listened to that. I mean, he fully expects Joe Douglas to take a big swing here at quarterback to, really get a veteran that, um, you know, that will get this team into the playoffs because he knows what's on the line. So we'll see. We'll see how that shakes out. It is the most fascinating thing. I mean, even more so, obviously, because they play, you know, the players play. More fascinating than what happens with with offensive coordinator is what the Jets do at quarterback. And if Lamar truly is available, you can expect Joe Douglas to push all his chips to the middle to try to get it, which I would be totally fine with. If Aaron Rodgers comes available, I would expect the Jets to try to do that. It, you know, doubt, Derek, I just don't think it's happening. I, I don't either, but you know, you can kind of, there's always things every off season that happen that nobody was expecting. So who's going to be that guy that shakes free. Um, and you know, the other thing that you have to think about is every quarterback option is going to have some kind of lump or wart, and it's it, no one's perfect. That's why they're available. So you can't sit here and, you know, complain about Derek Carr because he throws too many picks, but you know, uh, be totally fine with uh, whoever the other option. Like it's the, every quarterback is going to have a problem. That's just how it goes. And that's, uh, that's what the Jets Jets options are here. And when you whiff on number two, that's what you have to live with and have to figure out. Yep. It's funny. Some people in the comments are talking about uh, hiring Brian Hartline from Ohio state, which would be awesome. But like, why would he take this job? And someone no, suggested, somebody exactly. suggested giving him a five to six year contract to bring him in. I'm like, this entire staff is on a one-year deal. It's not yeah, going to happen. Like, I know. It, it's not, it would be cool, but it's not going to happen. Yeah, yeah, it is what it is. Okay. So there will be plenty more to the unpack in the coming yeah. weeks. You know, obviously don't know who it's going to be, but like we said, we think it's going to be Daryl Bevel. It seems like that's the popular name that's floating out there. And when that happens, I'm going to be disappointed. We'll, we'll break it down. We'll see if there's any, you know, tinkers to the staff. You'd imagine a new quarterback coach to probably take over for Calabrese because, you know, he probably wasn't really suited for the job. Um, but let's let's do some more fun things to, you know, <laughs> not necessarily close out the show just yet, but 
to transition. So last year we did our 2021 wrap up. We did some superlatives. So I know I didn't give you a lot of heads up, but it's pretty no, easy. Yeah. Type of stuff. It, it's yeah, more fun. So yeah. I wanted to go first. Your MVP. Who was the MVP of the Jets in 2022? I think MVP has to be Quinn Williams. Um, I think when you look at what the defense was this year, the leap that they made from literally bottom of the league to a true top five defense and what he did um, in the middle of that D line, both from a run uh, defense perspective and obviously um, getting after the quarterback, I think he ended up with 12 sacks. Is that right? 12, 12 yeah, and a half, like, like that, that from, from the inside, like he, he really solidified himself as a, a top two uh, interior defensive lineman. And when you look at the year that Aaron Donald had, I think he had a better year than Aaron Donald did. So knowing uh, what Quinnen did, how the defense looked in the one game that he wasn't there, I think that was truly uh, kind of that. That's what solidified it for me. So if I'm going to name one team MVP, uh, it's going to be Quinnen Williams. I think he was the biggest, most important piece um, on this team this year. For sure. I, I, there's nothing I can even dispute that best player in the team. You know, he only missed that one game. He, you know, his impact was certainly, you know, missed when he was out that one week and he really wasn't the same post injury. I know it was only a couple of games, but outside of that one impact play he made against Jacksonville, the wheels kind of fell off for him the mm-hmm. last couple of weeks, but it was really the whole team. So I'm not going to, you know, dig him for that, but yeah, he was incredible. He, he said in his exit interview that, you know, he's going to hold out of OTAs if he doesn't get a new contract. Rightfully so. Pay the men, give him whatever he wants. Yep. I don't care. He's yep. certainly earned that contract. And I know people who've been following the show and you and I for a while, I used to say that I thought he was overrated. He has lived up to <laughs> his draft hype. I will. I own that. It's fine. It, it, those, those terrible takes are in the past. But yeah, pay the man, certainly deserving of it. So. And that's that's the thing. I mean, you hope, I think he was a good player leading up until this point. I think he had a great season. So really what you hope, and I don't think he's the type of guy, I think everything about character says differently, but you hope it's not that Muhammad Wilkerson type. You hope that this isn't an outlier year and that he regresses to the mean. You hope that this is the type of performance that you can expect and count on uh, for years to come, even after he gets the deal. And he's still only 25. So getting him, I think he said, the report out there was that he wanted, um, uh, you know, the 21 plus million. I don't think anyone can expect that Aaron Donald money at 30 million plus, you know, a year, but 21 plus mil, like I'll sign up for it. I think that's, uh, that's totally fair. Totally fine. Pay the man. I think he's a, an integral part of that defense. So go ahead and do it. Yeah. Okay. Le- biggest disappointment, excluding Zach Wilson. Obviously he was the biggest disappointment because this, his development and whatever he became at the end of the season was, that was what the season was all about. So I don't want to do that one. So I feel like it's the obvious answer. So who was the biggest disappointment outside Zach Wilson, in your opinion? Um, Yeah. Biggest disappointment outside of Zach Wilson, I would probably, and it's no fault of his own, but I, I shouldn't say no fault, but I have to say Elijah Moore for a myriad of reasons. Right. But I, I would, we were talking in the, in the, in the spring and in the summer before the season started saying that if there was one thing that I would bank on, it's Elijah Moore getting over a thousand yards receiving and him being the clear cut. I definitely one. said that if he was healthy. So did I. And, and, and him being the clear cut number one and Garrett Wilson kind of getting a, you know, a slower development. Um, and even with the quarterback play and you see what Garrett Wilson was able to produce, I think it was shocking the lack of production from Elijah Moore. Um, and I don't think that's, it's obviously not all on him. I mean, the, the target share, uh, the quarterback play, um, the play design and how much, especially early on and, and mid season went to Berrios, 
and not Elijah Moore was, was, was really surprising. So I would say, um, you know, that he was probably the biggest disappointment of 22. Um, you know, my, my immediate thought was to go somewhere on the old line, but for to expect them to overcome the injuries that they did, I think was just, uh, would probably just be unfair, but yeah. Somebody in the comments said Lake and Tomlinson, and that's actually a good answer. That's a so, very good answer. So uh, yeah. my, my answer is actually neither of the two it's Braxton Berrios. And I know his expectations weren't as high as a guy like Blake and Elijah, but he got a nice contract and he was really good for the Jets in 2021. Something went wrong. I don't know what it was. He just wasn't the same player. He wasn't good on returns, whether it was, you know, getting yards. He didn't have any touchdowns running it back this year. Um, He just seemed very lost late in the season when it comes to fielding punts. Like he just didn't know what he was doing. It's just, I I got nervous. Like like whenever the ball would go back towards him and he actually tried to make a play. So I would say he was the biggest disappointment. And to be honest, it sucks because he's a good guy. Locker room Mm -hmm. loves him and everything like that. He's not going to be on the team next year unless he restructures, which I, I, why would you pay that guy, you know, more than the maybe 2 million when he's making like six. So he, it sucks because I'm a Brax guy, but I just, you know, you can't, you can't pay a guy to do nothing like he did. Yeah, it's it's funny because you you know you you kind of said it, but it's like the two things that you re- really relied on Braxton Berrios for were he was trusted in special teams, like always made the right decision, always sure handed, um, everything like that, and was good for at least some return, like sizable returns, maybe a touchdown here or there. And the other thing was that he was sure handed as a receiver. And those two things, especially down the stretch in the last six to eight games, I'd say really since Minnesota those were the two things that you really just couldn't count on them for anymore. So yeah, I, I totally agree. That's a very good answer for, for disappointment for 20. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot, but it is <laughs> what it is. Is. could be Ryan right. Sala as well. I mean, for being seven and four and losing the last six and, and knowing how they did it and not being able to get up for those games. I mean, that is uh that's shocking. The, Jack- the Jacksonville and the Seattle games are just inexcusable to me. The two biggest disappointments. Um, yeah. That's yeah. like same old Jets bullshit. It sucked, but it, yeah, that was, uh, I'm that was awesome. obviously it. So this is a fun one because there's two obvious answers to this one and you can make the case for either, but I think we both would agree on one. So whoever you say, I'll make the case for the other, <laughs> Okay, um, but rookie of the year. Yeah, I, uh, I, because <laughs> it's, it's obvious, um, which two there are, but I would say it's gotta be for me, Garrett Wilson, just because we love, wow. oh. yeah, oh yeah. And, and seeing what gonna... he did with, uh, with the three different quarterbacks and seeing how quickly he came on Four and different, if you count Straveler. Four. four different, if you count Straveler. <laughs> um, and, and honestly, like it may, again, it may be recency bias, but he was the only player on the field on Sunday everyone knew they were going to him and he still did it and made it happen. I mean, he was lights out good. He is going to be a superstar. And I think it's only a matter of time before next season, you're grouping him with the likes of Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson and, and, and Cooper cup and guys like that. I mean, he is, I think uh top of the league talented and just excellent. And I am super excited to have a weapon like him. And I can't wait to see what he'll do um, with a legit quarterback playing, hopefully a full season. Yeah. And if he doesn't get a good quarterback, he's headed towards Terry McLaurin territory, which would suck. I know, I know. Um, but yeah, man, G-Dub is phenomenal. And what a home run pick. Yep. Uh, Badlands was banging on the table for him a year from year ago that we should take him with with the second pick in the first round that we And had. there was so much doubt. Like, we both had it, too. Like, we were like, I think they're going to go a different route. What are they going to do at number 10? And I was scared they would. And when they did it, I was so happy. We both oh, were. Man. 
it was it was crazy and it was as better than we anyone could have expected out of garen yeah. and he is awesome good kid smart play works hard i'm so excited that he's on the jets and i hope that he his number is retired one day that's that's what yeah. i'm hoping i'm interested to see if if mike white's not brought back does he change his number to five because that would be swag <laughs> um so I'm surprised that you went with Garrett because I thought that you were going to say Sauce, who I'm going to make the case for. I mean, it's an easy it, case to make, right? It's very easy. <laughs> it, it's funny that he didn't make the um, players voted all um, all pro team. I mean, that's a joke. He was incredible. PFF rated him the graded him the best quarterback in football this year. He what he give up one touchdown, and he, there's like also an argument he had that it wasn't technically yes. on him. Everybody he went up against had trouble against them. Doesn't matter who you name, he he did it. It's he's tremendous, great work ethic, size, freak athlete. It's man, it's we all were saying if you take I remember at the time we all were a little bit frustrated before that we saw how the whole first round unfolded. We're like, if you're taking a cornerback that high, he better be as good as Darrell Revis. I'm not saying he's Darrell Revis, but He's pretty damn good and pretty damn close to that for what we expected. Because Revis wasn't as good as rookie. He no. got this good year three. He was yeah. solid as a rookie. Really, really good year two. Elite year three. Sauce, elite. Sauce was elite. So yeah, if he's only scratching the surface because I think he's, what, 21, 22 years old? Yeah. Sky's the limit as long as he can stay healthy. So, yeah, Sauce Gardner would be my rookie of the year. It's okay. so fun to think about. like, And that's – that's the stuff that really that gets you excited. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And when you think about the true attraction to this team for a quarterback, an offensive coordinator, any coach really that's coming, it's guys like that because the foundation is built. Think about when Brees Hall comes back. Dude, if Brees yeah. Hall was healthy for 17 games, dude, would it even be close for offensive rookie of the year? I mean, like, seriously, he was yeah. lights out, odds on favorite, no question at all. I mean, he would have been rookie of the year, offensive rookie of the year. So like, and then you think about the other things too, like even Michael Clemens, I mean, impressed as the last pick in that draft, Jeremy Rucker showing signs in the last game of the season and what he can do from a blocking standpoint, Jermaine Johnson, I think is obviously due for a much bigger role in 23. So there is real um, excitement here. Max Mitchell starting out of nowhere and being a, a solid right tackle until he had to take, you know, until he got hurt and then had to take the rest of the year off with blood clots. I mean, which is unfortunate, but hopefully he comes back strong too. So yeah. there's a lot of good and young talent on this team, which that's the biggest reason for excitement as you move forward into 23 for Jets fans. Yeah. Okay. This one's a little more challenging. Most okay. underrated jet in 2022. Oh boy. Um, I mean, Actually, I have a decent answer for you, and you're going to. Be I, 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 you know, I'm trying to kind of roll through them here, but I think. Do you want me to do mine, and you can think first? Yeah, second? you, you go ahead, and I'll see if you steal mine. Who I'm thinking of? Go Connor ahead. McGovern. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, and I could understand the pushback that I'll get from people about this, but yeah, I know he was underwhelming his first two years as a Jet, but he was surrounded by a pretty terrible situation. You know, whether it was Adam Gase coaching and just subpar talent on the offensive line, but once you got him with other players, he was. He hasn't missed a game. Yep. I think he held his own. He's not elite by any, you know, any means necessary. I mean, any means, whatever. Sorry. I don't know why I said any means necessary, but <laughs> he did his job. I mean, I, it, there's plenty to point to in 2020 and 2021, but 2022, he was out there. He played at like starter level, if not, you know, sometimes above average. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got to give the guy credit. I, 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 I think he was very underrated. And I don't think people would realize that, they probably should keep him for one more year, maybe restructure him, but keep him one more year. Or he actually, I'm not sure he might be a free agent, but 
I'd bring him back if you don't like see see anyone in the draft that you that you like. Yeah, I would agree. Um, I think for this one, I'm gonna have to go, and this isn't by like. I think Jets fans appreciate how good this guy is, but I think uh, when you look league wide, because of what Sauce has done, he's a little underappreciated. But I'll say DJ Reed. I mean, DJ Reed was absolutely fantastic this year, and the combination of him, Sauce, and Michael Carter the second, and who MC two is another one that you could say um, is under the radar good. I think uh, DJ Reed though was was absolutely um, unbelievable this year and deserving of a lot more credit than what he actually got. So I would say that he's not underrated because we all know how good he is. You know, I, mean? I think we all as though as Jets fans though, yeah, like, nationally, I yes. I don't know if the rest of the league or any other fans truly know how good DJ Reed is because Real of how much know. attention Sauce Sauce gets. <laughs> and that's a tough Bro- question. I mean, honestly, outside, yeah, McGovern's a good one, but outside of that, like, where are you going? Greg the leg. Is a good one. Zerline is a good. Yeah, you know, I never go special teams, and I probably should give more attention to that. But Greg Hardy, is a good Hardy made the Pro Bowl. And you don't think about you know, that. I, yeah, he was he's a really good gunner, but man, he got too many penalties. But didn't he, he recover that ball against Cleveland on the onside kick? He did. He did. I, he, <laughs> listen, I, you take the good with the bad, but you know, like honestly, and as we're talking to, I think of disappointments, and I went Elijah Moore. I got to say Conklin. Coughlin was a disappointment. Um, like, you know what? Ah, uh, come on. He he never made a contested catch. And I get it. Like the He reason, made that crazy catch on Sunday, believe it or not. Oh, in the last game where it doesn't matter. <laughs> and Joe Flacco's thrown to him. And it's a third down conversion to get us a field goal. Thank you. <laughs> Um, but he, and I think it's not even, it's not even really his fault because the reason he would be a disappointment is because of the hype that he got from Jets fans and, and us as being second know, on the team in receiving yards. You can't really say he disappointed. There was so much more room for him to be better. Like well, he could not make a contested catch. He had fumble in the beginning of the season. Like he wasn't as good as advertised as he should have been this year. He could have been a lot better than he was. Can we agree on that? Yes. I, th- I think the issue I always had was in my, I just felt like he ran in quicksand. Every time I got the ball, he couldn't move. It was frustrating. Yeah. But yeah, yeah he was, he was up and down. I wouldn't say he was the, like the biggest disappointment on the team. I think you go to what with Uzama, but then I thought, felt like he came on later in the season and was like, I mean, he was really good as a blocker, but in the offense, he wasn't really getting the ball. Yeah. But I love CJ. I love, so do I. I and I think that. they could have gotten him more involved and they should have, especially. Yeah. And that was because of the frustration with Tyler Conklin. Okay. I like Conklin. I'm a fan of his. I just think he could have been better than he was. All right. That that listen, that's listen, fair. That I, I, fair. I rarely come on here with hate like you do. I'm not like <laughs> this isn't like that, you know, you're Keyshawn Johnson or Quinn and Williams hate. Okay. I'm not there yet. I've retracted the Quinn and Williams hate months ago. <laughs> you're still you still hate Keyshawn. You'll die on that. I don't head. hate Keyshawn the first I'm, the first jet jersey I ever got, but now I've given it to Chelsea. So I'm messing no, with you. It's just fun to poke the bear. I know you like poking the bear. <laughs> um, okay, we have two more. So right. the one of them has to do with this season, and the other's a prediction. So what was your favorite play of the season? And I know that's probably gonna take it some time, but <clears throat> I have I have mine. It's it's the walk-off Garrett Wilson touchdown or, uh, yeah. that, or that against Cleveland. That was just the most electrifying moment in years and that obviously led to a lot of good things but yeah. like to me that was my favorite moment of the season because he really like arrived it was a crazy you know we took the we took the lead it was unbelievable I think that was my favorite moment of the season I um that is a, that's a great one I would say for me um that would be up there and if since you already took that I would say um 
the fourth and long heave from Josh Allen that sauce broke up in the first bills game at home to seal the deal. Like me seeing that going nuts in that play, knowing that they just defeated the bills to get the six and three, um, especially after that first new England game and kind of being down in the dumps, but then coming back uh, to beat Buffalo at home and kind of slay the beast and this whole David versus Goliath and no one gives us a chance. Um, I, and it's, it's funny because I told my wife to, uh, never not record me during a Jets game of that kind of magnitude and that kind of excitement following that Cleveland game and that finish. Um, so she did record my reaction and, uh, I think she, she DM the Jets and never got anywhere, but to see it now, it was, uh, it was pretty crazy to see, you know, kind of how I reacted and I got to really settle down, man. I'm, I'm 37. I'm too old for that shit. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So this is a fun one because this one yeah. you have to think a little bit. I could do mine first to give you some time. Okay. Bold prediction of the offseason. I've kind of, if, if you follow me on Twitter, you've seen some of my thoughts here, but I'm going to, mine is um, Tom Brady's going to leave Tampa Bay. So they're probably going to be in a transition mode. And Joe Douglas trades a second round pick for Mike Evans, getting one of my favorite players in the league. It's the perfect replacement for Corey Davis because let's be honest, He's not going to be back with his availability issues, the drops, the penalties. He's not coming back. Why not get a six-five proven, probably potential Hall of Famer? Because he has, I think, eight eight consecutive thousand-yard seasons to start a career, which is insane to think. Just like the longevity of that, dude. I loved Mike Evans since his Texas A&M days with Johnny Manziel. That would be unbelievable. Him or Hopkins, but I, I'm going to go with Evans because I feel like no one's thinking about that, but it's just a little mm-hmm. thing I've thought about. What, what's your bold prediction? I really, I really like that, by the way. I would, would take, I mean, him, awesome. <laughs> him or DeAndre Hopkins to replace um, Corey. Corey and, and having that kind of like veteran presence as uh, a, a mentor to Garrett Wilson and being like a solid Robin to Garrett Wilson's Batman. Man, that would be fun. Um, my bold prediction is I, you know, it's tough. Um, I really do think that this is, it's a long shot, but it's not as much of a long shot as a lot of people are thinking. I think Aaron Rodgers comes to the Jets, man. Oh my God, dude, that would be amazing. I, would, I really, I really think so. Like, I just, I don't, but he's, I mean, so, he's so weird and he's so, he's got such a flair for the drama and flair for the dramatic that I really could see it. And I think the stuff, I think LaFleur, you know, Matt LaFleur being so close to, to Sala, I think plays a role in this. Well, he just, I think he just fired his brothers. So maybe he's not doing him any favors. He allowed him to pursue other opportunities. Oh, it's he, Okay, okay. It's, <laughs> he likes um, him. That's why it was put in that perspective, which is why agreed. they denied the whole thing Ag- hours agreed. before. But I just think that um, the other reports about, like, I, I've, I've heard Sala talk about LaFleur telling him how good Jordan Love is and how um, he's progressing, that has to tip one way or another. And I think considering the season they had and being disappointed in the finish, I see that going the Jordan Love direction. And I think Aaron Rodgers comes. And that could be, I mean, maybe they, maybe Daryl Bevel doesn't come here and they get Nathaniel Hackett and that's kind of the tie. Is that? And then you've yeah. got Aaron Rodgers and he is – Zach Wilson's mentor and hero and he's mentoring him for two years until Zach Wilson is ready to take over the reins in 2025 and there it is yeah that's my bold prediction so I'll counter I don't think the reason I don't think is I just you see how he is with the media he hates the media 
why would he want to go to the biggest media market in the world where he's going to be scrutinized for everything he does? And he's already been a little bit of a controversial figure yeah. the last two years for, you know, his whole stance on things. So that's why I don't think it's going to happen. I mean, I could be wrong. I'm happy to be wrong in this situation, but like, who knows, man, it would be, it would be an amazing get. And I know he's not the same player he used to be, but goddamn, would it be fun? He would be better than anything we've had in the last however long. You know, it's funny because I've been saying that Jimmy Garoppolo was probably the guy they get. I think with LaFleur not being there, it changes things. Yeah. I They may change the system. And that means, I mean, it's still probably be principles of what they've been doing. But yes. they hire a guy like Devil, it's not the same system. So that might change who they go after from a quarterback perspective. I also, yes, I think you're 100% right. I also think that solidifies the fact that it's going to be a veteran quarterback because asking Zach Wilson to take go on a beach and read a book and do this reset. So asking him to do a full complete reset while also learning a brand new offensive system coming back to be your, your, your day one starter in 2023 doesn't make any sense. That's not if you, going to happen. If you try to sell this fan base on running it back with Zach Wilson, starting you can't. Quarterback, you're an unserious franchise and you might as well just fire everybody you, before the season. You can't like not actually, whole, but like, that's the message you're sending. You're but it's not out of the realm of possibility with this franchise. Like that's the craziest thing, but I'm just saying, listen, read the tea leaves. That's where it's going as a veteran QB. I'm just saying that the change in offensive coordinator just furthers that point along. Uh, yeah, I would, I would agree. (laughs) You can't expect that. You can't expect a 22 year, 23 year old quarterback to do a complete reset with everything while also learning a new offensive system and say that he's going to be the starter in 23. It's just not going to happen. Listen, we'll see. I I would be surprised, but if they get someone like Jimmy Garoppolo, who's injury prone and they don't bring back Mike White to be the backup, Zach's going to play games. That, that, that's, that's just a fact. Like if you're, if you're hitching your wagon to an injury prone quarterback, expect your backup to play. That's, that's just the way it goes. But uh, it would be fun for the Lamar dream, but I'm not, I'm not thinking it's likely. I think if he does get moved, it's to the NFC. It's not going to be the AFC, but who knows with that? There's so much that's going to happen. Lamar's playoffs haven't even started yet. But of yeah. course, we got to watch the New York Giants be in the playoffs, despite a team that we thought was way far, way behind us from a development standpoint. Yet here we are. So the power of coaching, Brian Dable, a good coach. Yep. You should be coach of the year. Um, <laughs> so if you haven't heard, we are doing another Jersey uh, giveaway. I tweeted out what the, the rules are. So if you want to win a free sauce, or a free Garrett Wilson, or even a free Breeze Hall jersey, there is a way to do so. Make sure to follow Stephen and I on Twitter, at SZance and at StephenRusso9. Make sure you are subscribed to this feed, um, youtube.com slash TV, and also turn on the Jets live on Apple or Spotify. Um, and once you've, you've, sh- like, you've done all those things, just screenshot it, DM it to me on Twitter, and I will mark you down for entries. And there are bonus entries for people who do all those things, but also are Badlands Patreon subscribers as well. So just screenshot the, that as well, and I will give you double entries. Um, a bunch of our winners tweeted out their jerseys that we sent out. I know our guy Caleb, who's been supporting the show. Unfortunately, he got a Zach Wilson jersey. and he's, oh. I know, I feel bad, but listen, <laughs> free jerseys are free jersey. Yeah. He got to wear it for two years. Um but we did uh, send out a sauce and a Garrett this year, which was awesome to two other people. Uh, but yeah, we're going to give a choice instead of, you know, just doing one guy. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, why not? It's a free Jersey and we want to try to grow this show. So, you know, you're doing us a huge favor by subscribing and following everything that we do. Um, 
a friendly reminder to also subscribe to the TOJ pod feed with Will Show draft season, especially now that we're here in the off season. Those guys will do a great job telling us about the offensive tackle we should take at 13. Probably the guy from Northwestern or Paris Johnson, who Connor said on Badlands is probably his likely choice if you had to ask him right now. And obviously, make sure you subscribe to Badlands. I know that their latest episode actually dropped talking about this news while we went live. So check that out. Best premium content on the internet for the Jets. I know a new tier is coming. I believe that they do explain it on this week's episode. Can't wait for that stuff. I know the offseason is going to be fun. Never a dull moment, as we say, but um, it's been a hell of a ride. And uh, Stephen and I will not be doing uh, consistent weekly shows now that the season is over. But whenever the new offensive coordinator is hired, we'll certainly do a show to talk about that. Um, if any news like a quarterback is acquired and free agency, we'll be doing stuff. But I think we'll do occasional, you know, fun, nostalgia ones. Because I know that's Russo's favorite Ooh, thing to yeah. do. Get nostalgia is like literally his favorite love language or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but again, can't can't thank everyone enough for supporting us throughout this season on this new feed. It's been so much fun. It gets me through being a Jets fan. I think, you know, it's it's just a really cool thing to talk about this team, even though they perpetually disappoint us, which is what it is at this point, but you know, we're, we were born into this life and we we're going to yeah, die in this life too. We had right? a good ride for 12 weeks, man. We <laughs> thought we thought we were there. We thought we yes, made it. We thought we did. But uh, before we close the show, Steven, any thoughts? Listen, no, it's been, uh, despite how it finished, it's been a fun year and, and you got to keep that in perspective. I think um, I, I try to do that uh, even though, you know, the goalposts move, like we said, but it's always fun to, to come on and talk uh, Jets with you, Steven. I really, uh, I enjoy it. I enjoy uh, knowing that we have people out there that listen to us, that tune in or that download the podcast and uh, and, and like that, you know, either they're, they're getting excited with us after a big win or they're commiserating with us after uh, after a tough loss because we know we've had our fair share of those. But I do think, um, you know, hopefully brighter, I, I don't want to say I think that brighter days are ahead, but hopefully brighter days are ahead um, and we'll see what happens uh, with this franchise. But it's always been fun been a fun second season we'll see uh you know what this offseason brings we know the jets are always champs uh in the offseason in, in, in march and april so we'll see how it shakes out there's going to be no um you know no dull moments no shortage of topics to talk about and, and like you said we'll uh we'll hop on and and chop it up as uh, as things break and you know the jets get an offensive coordinator or sign a quarterback or make a big move in free agency or whatever it may be and then obviously around draft time so never a dull moment and uh it's been a fun ride in 22 uh hopefully better and uh and bigger things to come in 23 yep we'll talk to you guys whenever the jets hired offensive coordinator see you guys next time <laughs>